Uh, we've got five guys, uh, burgers and fries in the studio today. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't not say it. Uh, I'm joined by uh, John, hashtag we need Ozil Miller. How are you doing, John? <laughs> Yeah, very well, thank you. Very well. Good to see everyone. Uh, got a positive smile on, but deep down inside, I'm crying. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So, uh, a man who's probably uh, sharing that sentiment is Mr. Jonathan Booth. How you doing, Boothy? It's, it's, it's been a hard weekend. It's been a hard <laughs> weekend. But, you know, it's a Monday. We're here on the podcast, so let's do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're also joined by Mr. Tom Nuttall-Jones um how's the weather up there in uh in scotland yeah it's it's wet it's uh glaswe very glaswegian uh cold to... yeah it's pretty cold yeah it's chilly okay yeah, definitely but... uh indoor indoor hoodie weather nice nice <laughs> and uh joining us live from essex uh is mr greg tmr hollands uh who are you joined by this week in the uh the green screen of shame uh, so this week for uh, football images that preceded unfortunate events, we have got Kevin De Bruyne, of course, which I'm sure we'll cover in a second, Dan. We will, we will. We'll get on to that. Uh, so um, I guess I mentioned my background as well. I'm here outside the White House uh, on the, the White House lawn. Um, quick whip around reactions to um, the election result this week in the States. Um, I certainly celebrated this week and and i think there was a, a feeling of uh, elation generally um across the uk even uh, from people i spoke to um tom I'll, I'll throw to you on this one first are you happy with that result yeah brilliant absolutely brilliant <laughs> made up um yeah just just what a turd he is and just like seeing gone booth um have you got family in the states if i misimagined that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i've yeah, got yeah. my grandfather and my auntie over in new york so yes. i spoke to them the other day and they were elated over the decision <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't stand trump at all so it's all good on the brief side of the family good good um, yeah, Mr. Same. i got, a, I got a, a lot of my family like literally all my mum's siblings um and her father so my grandfather is over there and uh, yeah, uh, we got we got a massive WhatsApp group, and yeah, and there was a, there was a, they're pretty happy, and uh, there was a, there was a lot of a lot of lot of jokes flying around in there, like stop the count with the actual count <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that, you know, all the stuff. But yeah, you know, like Tom, Tom, Tom summed it up well there, man. What a turd, and yeah, it's, it's glad we've uh, take America's now taken up taken up the trash in yeah. the doggy bin. And Greg. Yeah, yeah, just echo everything that everyone else is saying. Great, uh, great move for America. It's going to be a tricky couple of months. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not going to go quietly, but uh, it's, a, it's a point in the right direction for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's go back to football. Uh, so first up we have, uh, this was the lunchtime game on Saturday at Goodison Park, uh, Everton versus Man United. The game ended 3-1 to United. Uh, Edison Cavani got his first goal scoring like pretty much with the last kick of the game. Um, Tom, you would have been pretty happy with this result, I can imagine. Yeah, you know... Um keeps the keeps the toffees quiet for another week and um keeps ollie in the job for another week so uh <laughs> two, two thumbs up for me <laughs> um greg did you catch this game yeah yeah i watched this game like 
you know what we say it each time every time ollie's just on the brink he manages to claw it back i don't know how he does it but you know as tom says it's good news for the rest of the league but um yeah it was a good match to watch it was a good match for sure um have you seen the the stat that uh everton have not won a premier league game without richarlison since he signed for them is that not yeah, absolutely that's crazy. crazy? You know, that they, they are so reliant on this guy, it seems, at the moment. Um, Boothie, do you think that was kind of ev- evident this weekend again? Um, uh, I think so, because when you look behind Richardson, who they really have, they've got Bernard, who's hot and cold. You've got Awobi, who, let's be honest, <laughs> you know what I mean, Jonathan? Yeah. Uh, Awobi is just, just as a, a tech cocha. Uh, so, you know, when you're st- every team feels it. Uh, when your star man's out of the team, you know you're going to struggle. But Aaron Charlton's that is just crazy if you think about it. Yeah, it doesn't look good for the, you know, as a, as a club to have that kind of stat around one player. You know, you'd think um, that would be something they want to overturn pretty quickly. But. Is he? Um, I'm just trying to look up what his actual status is because he's surely not still suspended. Yeah, he, he was. Was that his that final game? game? Was his final game? Yeah. Was so it? So bad. that was a three game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For a straight red. Right. Yeah. So they'll they'll be looking forward to getting him back in the team. Um, on the subject then of Man United, um, like you say, they kind of pulled it out the bag again, and and one more win for for Oli kind of keeps him in the job again. Um, they're playing those two deep line kind of holding midfielders in McTominay and Fred. Um, do you think that's a kind of a sustainable way forward for them and then and to play kind of Pogba in a rotation? So it looks like it's going to be maybe one matter, Paul Pogba and, and Donny van der Beek kind of sharing one position in that midfield because Bruno Fernandes seems to be uh, a shoe-in. Um, but yeah, do you think, uh, you know, McTominay and Fred are the answer? I, don't, I certainly don't think they would have been starting every game last year. Greg, some facial expressions I, on that one? I don't know, man. I think, like, you say about the Richarlison stat with Everton, I think that if you take Bruno Fernandes out of the game for United, they look shaky. I mean, the goal that... It was Bernard that scored the first goal, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Bernard. Um, Bernard, yeah. It was a, <laughs> Bernard Matthews. Bernard's <laughs> watch. Well, um, it was a bit of a... It was a P-roller, really. I don't know if you saw it. It, mm. it just sort of, like, rolled in. Um and without that creativity that Fernandez brings, United can look shaky. I mean, you look at all of those players that you mentioned there. Fred, like you said, last season, Pereira that plays or doesn't play or whatever. McTominay can be a bit shaky. Pogba has a day off when he wants. I don't think you can rely on any of them. I think that they're good players, but I think Oli has totally lost them. I think that the dressing room has gone. Um, I think it is just still a matter of time with Oli, but I don't know, man. It, it, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one to call, really, because yeah. they're such a it's such a weird team because they're not bad players. They just don't play particularly well when they want to. Yeah, I agree. Um, Boothy over under nine point five goals for Cavani this season. What are you taking? God. His what he scored in the last bit of the game. Um, How important still... is that goal as well for him? <laughs> for him, for him, it'll make. Um, so much confidence in him just to grow and grow and grow. But I feel like he scored in the last one of the game. Everton will literally pushed up the field. So he couldn't miss, you know what I mean? Pickford gave him the whole goal shootout as well, which I wasn't <laughs> happy about. Um, I, I think that's Cavani's one goal for the month. I'm calling it here right now. I don't think he's getting any more than that. So you're taking the under, I guess. 
I'm taking under 100. Tom, do you think you'll get more than 9.5 this year? Yeah, I think they call that a garbage time goal in the NFL. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I think I just don't know whether he's going to get enough minutes to rack up the goals. So, yeah. No. We'll leave that game there. There was obviously a, a bit of a contentious um, penalty call. Jordan Pickford sort of karate kicked um, <laughs> Harry Maguire. There's a good clip going around um, of Seamus Coleman calling him a, a, a effing diving twat. While, he, uh, while Harry Maguire's on the floor. <laughs> um, not, I, th- I think that's the first time uh, that Seamus Coleman has been uh, picked up on the pitch side mics this season. Who was it earlier in the season that um, one of the Southampton players, I think, got sent off against them? No, what? it was Kieran Gibbs. Gibbsy, yeah, that it was, was Gibbsy, it for yeah. West Brom. Um, was it West Brom? Would be West Brom, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I think he, he said something to him as well that got picked up on the uh, pitch side mics. But um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll leave the VAR in that game. Um, now, um, the moment that John and uh, Boothy have been uh, have been waiting for, the Arsenal uh, result yesterday against Aston Villa. Now, for me, this was just almost as much of a shock as the uh, Liverpool-Aston Villa result. Um, I didn't watch the game. Um, I saw the result after and yeah, I was quite shocked. I think I saw someone say like, um, have you seen the, the Villa result? Um, and I was like, hang on a minute. Like if they got, have they nicked a draw here or is it a high scoring game and three nil, um, right. As guys that watched it, um, and I both, I know you were watching it for sure. And John, <laughs> you watched it as well. Yeah. I watched it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of you two can step forward and kind of, uh, Tell me what what happened in this game. I'll jump in. I'll jump in. I'll Thank jump. you, please. It's too, it's too hard. It's, to I say don't know it. if anyone's noticed, but Goofy's already started on the wine. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just Arsenal at the moment. Like you know, we're getting very very hyped off the United uh, win, but it was actually Arsenal didn't create a lot in that game. Yes, we pushed up high on 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 United and, and we pressed them and stuff, but. We didn't create a lot, um, and, and we won by a penalty. Yeah, that game could have easily been nil-nil if Pogba stays on his feet. Um, and the game before that, we lost one nil to Leicester. Like we haven't, Arsenal, have, Arteta hasn't seemed to get the balance. He hasn't seemed to got the balance right. He's kind of he's done well. He's got Partey. I mean, there's rumours going around that Awar was his was his number one signing, and and Partey was an Edu signing. But Partey's in there. He 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 looks the business. But he still doesn't look to got got the balance right. I mean, last week we were we conceded the less before that game we'd conceded the least amount of goals in the Premier League, which was seven, and then obviously <laughs> we shipped him free. Um, but we created nothing. Aubameyang's had something like two shots on target in like four games or something like that. Um, you know, um, our highest passer in yesterday's game was um, Gabriel with eighty-one uh, passes and like. You know, only six, 66 of them was completed. Wow. Um, like, we, we're we just not firing up front. And I'm sorry, but I know that there's this sort of myth about Arsenal not spending money and, and stuff like that. It's, it, to me, it's a little bit of a myth when you consider... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I think our front three is the most expensive front three in the Premier League in terms of millions of pounds per player with... Um, Laka, Pepe and... Laka, Pepe and Aubameyang. I think yeah. Laka was like 50, 50, 50 60 million... Both what, what Pepe and Aubameyang were like 
uh, about 70 million. Um, so I think that's, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, you might have to, I'm not, um, Greg, you might have to fact check that, the stat man, but I think that might be right. And um, I just think that when you've got a front three of that, we should be scoring goals. And I think Arteta's got to take the blame for, my, for me, even even with the United game, we, we won it, but we were poor. You've got to take the blame because you've got somebody who, what, got the golden, near, got joint golden boot two seasons ago, was one off last season, and he's playing out on the wing, tracking back. Um, you know, you've got Lacazette, you can't, up front, you can't hit a barn door, or whatever that saying goes, up front. And like, he's just not prolific. He's never been prolific at, at Arsenal. I mean, Giroud, Olivier Giroud still gets a nod over him for the French national squad. Um, so he's not prolific. He, he, he should be coming off the bench um, or, or, or playing in the Europa League. Um, Eddie Nketi, I don't know what the hype is about him. Like, I, I, I don't know what the hype is about him. He doesn't, he's not that great for me. Um, but yeah, and I just think, I, I think that's down to Arteta because, sorry, you can't have arguably one of the best Premier League strikers, probably top five at the moment, top three maybe, you know, playing out on... You know, I know Harry Kane drops in and stuff like that, but he doesn't hang out on the on the left wing. That I spend like 60, 70 minutes out on the left wing for, for, for the whole game. No, it, does, it doesn't do that. So, yeah, I just think Arteta is just—he needs to sort it out. He needs to pick the right players for the right position. You bought Willie. We bought. You got Willian on a free. I'm seeing, you know, Chelsea laughing, laughing their socks off, talking about, you know, you know, they gave us this this dud player. I don't know why. If you're not, if you're not going to play Ozil, put, yeah. play William through the middle because we've got no creativity. We've got to play William through the middle, you know. And you know, where's Reese Nelson? You know, Pepe's got to be playing out wide. Reese Nelson on one side, you know, and the Bamiang through the middle. Like I don't, I don't know why he's got William out wide when we don't have any creativity. And that's why I've got hashtag we need Ozil because if you, I get it, you know, there's some kind of situation going on, but. If you're not going to have Ozil in the middle of the park, then you need to have some kind of creative player in the middle of the park. You can't have Partey, Xhaka, you know, in there, you know, and you just can't do that. You've got to have a, a creative player, somebody who can, you know, put put it on a plate from from a, for a Bamiyang or Lacazette, which don't have that at the moment. Or we do. You just left them out of the squad, or you're playing someone out on the left or on the right. Yeah. Anyway, ran over. <laughs> <laughs> and breathe. Um, I mean, is is there any way back for for Özil? Is that is that even a you know what what are the odds on that that Özil actually plays even a single minute in the in the Premier League this year for Arsenal? Pretty slim, Booth. Um, I think yeah, nothing. there's no chance. There's yeah, nothing there, yeah. mate. I feel I feel like this has now gone beyond Arteta. I feel like it's between Özil and the board now. Because I think ever since he he refused to take the 12.5% reduction in his wage over the summer, I feel like the board's just washed their hands with him, which is a shame because at the end of the day, it's not his fault that we're in a pandemic. And to be honest, Ozil, his money does go a lot towards charity work and um, helping the community. So I can understand why he didn't take the the money away from his salary. But I feel like as a footballer, you can't, not have him in the squad. Um, okay, yeah, I understand yeah. him not starting week in, week out. I get it, all right. You can't really carry a player like him. But in games like yesterday, for example, yesterday, yesterday, for example, um, where you've got Lagazette coming in so deep and compressing the space, 
if you don't have that player who can pull the strings or pull a little magic out, you have no chance to um, create something different uh, on the pitch. So it's, it's hard watching those kind of games and not having someone who has a spark because bless his little cotton socks, but Sabayos isn't that guy who's going to play a pass here, find Banyang out of wing surprisingly by himself. We just need someone in the middle who can just pull it out the bag, mate. Because at the moment, we are struggling, struggling, struggling. you got some, you got what? Xhaka, Partey and El Elneny, all in the midfield, who were similar players. Obviously got differences, but basically the same role. And then three, they don't have a creative um, mindset, let alone the ability to even flash us a chance. Mm-hmm. And when you got Obra out on the wing, just killing him, man. We're killing We're starving him with chances. He's not, even in, he's not even in a position to have a shot on goal, let alone... Um, get a goal. So at the point of time, it's just it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's, it's, it's for me. It's hard, <laughs> especially when you're at home. You're at home playing Aston Villa, and, and listen, in the grand scheme of things, Liverpool lost seven two, right? So they're not. It's not a fluke. They're not just you know having a game here, a good game here and there. It's not like they're going to lose loads of games. You can see them, you know, maybe getting some points off Chelsea or Spurs, or you can see them doing that because they've got the quality, right? Um, but Arsenal playing at home playing at Emirates um, and you can't be playing uh, El Nenny. Like he set up, he, he had the same starting lineup that played against United when we were at yeah. Old Trafford, you know, you're, you're playing on a counter attack or, or whatever it is. You're, you're, you're trying to uh, be conservative because, you know, you know that they're going to maybe try and dominate, you know, because they're at home. But then you're now playing at home against a lesser team. You know, he should have played 4-4-2 or 4-3-2-1. Like he shouldn't have played you know, um, El Nenny and Party. Doesn't work. You know, so, doesn't work. That. That, that was ridiculous. Is uh, is this now then like the, you know, the Premier League has these crazy ups and downs now, seems like for almost every club. I mean, this year it literally is for every club now that the Liverpool kind of fell victim to that that 7-2. They, they were kind of the only team that were consistent last year and, and didn't really have bad games. Um are we kind of moving more to a, a a stage now with the Premier League where the the spread of teams is so and and the quality of teams across the board is so high that actually it is a you know because we were singing Arsenal's praises last week we were saying oh how brilliant was El Nene how how great was Partey in the middle um, but then you know things are completely flipped um, the next week uh, so yeah is is the Premier League now just like a kind of 50 50 in in every game that you play um and i guess further to that does is the no fans situation contributing to these results um i guess tom or greg if if, if you have <laughs> anything to say on those ones is like, I, I know we've not come to you for about five minutes here <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah tom i guess as a you know having that experience of that liverpool villa game were there any kind of um, similar elements to it last night with Arsenal. Yeah, I definitely think that just it's just taken the players out of their comfort zone a little bit, you know, um, just because it's it's sort of foreign territory for them, um, not having that atmosphere. I think whether you're home or away, whether you're winning or you're losing, like the reaction of the crowd is something that you're used to, and to not have that, even if it's a, even if it goes against you. Uh, if you're away from home, it's kind of something that it's familiar. 
and I think that will have sort of put the put the players in a different headspace. So I definitely think the crowds, the lack of crowds, contributing to it. Um, in terms of whether it's like where where we're going to be like going forward, I guess I we'll just have to wait and see. I think we're still quite early in the season. We have to remember we're sort of mm-hmm. we're at the start of November, but really we're at the start of October, mm. um, based on when the season started. And that's that's early in the season, and you know you always you always have a few teams who are up there and you know, sort of a surprise at the start of the season. And then usually the table sort of starts to look a bit more familiar uh, as we get to Christmas and, and January. So, I mean, you know, as I've said on the pod, pod before, like I I, won't, I haven't ruled, even ruled out Everton who, you know, I'm loath to uh, give them much credit, but, um, you know, any, any one of the teams who have been doing well so far, obviously Leicester are getting stronger and stronger every, you know, top of the league and they're getting stronger and stronger every season. You know, they were second for a long time last year. Um, and Villa could be that team this year, um, as could Everton. Um, and I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's sort of a fifty-fifty every game, but there are definitely some some up-and-coming teams. Mm. Uh, and Gray, as a Spurs fan, is the Partey party over? Uh, I, I mean, it's still early in the season, isn't it? Really, I mean, he's still finding his feet. I suppose I, I just want to um, remark on something Tom said. I think that you could say the opposite for the fans. I think that. It could be detriment to some players. I think some players are thriving in it. I think some players probably like the idea of, especially some managers. I mean, I imagine Jose's fucking loving not having any fans in the stadium because we're playing pretty shit football <laughs> at the moment. But some of the players, I mean, I imagine that, you know, fight or flight, isn't it? I think that some players, maybe, you know, Ollie Watkins, he'll have seen on social media a lot of people saying about his uh, outlandish transfer fee that he went for. No fans in the stadiums. He's probably loving it. He's probably thinking, I can just play my football, play how I want. And he's he getting the goals in. So I think that the opposite could be said. I think some players are probably thriving on it. And that's why we're seeing such high-scoring yeah. games. The uh, the build-up to the uh, Saka own goal, um, where Grealish and, and Barkley were just like showboating. Like, I've seen clips of like South African league football um where there's like a really famous clip on youtube of like i think it is the south african league like it's like kaiser chiefs or someone um doing like showboating in the last minutes and it's like it's got like millions of views because it's just so ridiculous like Grealish and barkley were literally doing that at the emirates can you imagine if there was fans there like what the reaction would have been to them like doing little back hills and needless little like no look passes and then to score a goal at the end of it is just that's insane. I don't think that happens with fans in the stadium. I think that's uh, yeah. one of the worst things to come of it. I mean, losing 3-0 happens in football, but if a team's actually mocking you... Yeah. yeah they, they, there's another clip where... <laughs> Tierney. Bellerin. Oh. It's not even... Yeah, the, the Bellerin one makes me laugh. The, um, so Greenish is running and running down... like I think he picked it up in his own half. It's the third goal, right? Mm-hmm. The Watkins goal, yeah. Yeah, and... <laughs> Bellerin comes and they're coming together. You're thinking he's just going to take him out here and 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 uh, you know get the free kick, right? And he just goes, yeah, out of here. And Bellerin just goes flying, flying steps. And I'm just like, you are terrible. You're you're just you're just terrible. You've been terrible at Arsenal for a long, long time. Like Arsenal fans do get on Bellerin's back. I'm really surprised that he's still there. And I know I went in on Arteta. He's definitely got the system wrong. But I do think, in his defence, he did try to ship some of those players out. Unfortunately, he weren't able to. I know that um, Holding was on his way to Newcastle. Um, there was talk about Bellerin going to Italy. 
over the transfer window. You know, he's been trying to get rid of Mustafi for the longest. Um, you know, I just think there is a few players there that he's like, all right, well, if you're here, you know, you're going to play. But um, that's no excuse for yesterday. He definitely got the tactics wrong. But I just think Arsenal are weak. And I think in, in this situation with no fans and there's, there's a, there is a chance for people, like Luffy said, to play without the, the pressure and be expansive and, and stuff. I just think Arsenal just don't have the mentality. And I just think there's a soft underbelly that, that's been, been spoken about for about 10, maybe 11 years now. And I think that's still there. I, I do not think that third goal happens in maybe 15 of the other Premier League teams. I just don't think it happens. I think someone just whacks him out, takes him out, mm. gets the yellow card, and then they regroup. I just think Arsenal is just too soft. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, we'll, we'll move on from this. But like you mentioned that soft underbelly thing. And uh, one of the fiery players that you had in the squad was obviously Granit Xhaka over the last couple of years. I feel a little bit like his his head's gone a little bit at Arsenal after what happened last year and he and mm. being booed by the fans, falling out with the fans. I feel like he's one of those also one of those players that's he's there to play football, he's he's with the team, but I don't think he's with the club um as a you know, as a big thing and um maybe, you know, he'd be the sort of guy that you'd be looking to just clear a player out at that stage of a game, but you know, I I don't think his head's there anymore and you've probably got a few too many players like that in the squad uh, going forward and it probably hurt you in the long run this year let's go on to uh, Man City 1 uh, Liverpool 1 uh, this was the Super Sunday game um, Greg uh, you got I guess the key man and the key moment there behind you tell us uh, what happened yeah so um, it was the handball wasn't it that led to the penalty quite clear cut uh, are we all in agreement of that handball? It, within the new rules, yeah, Joe Gomez, yeah, 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 and it's Kevin De Bruyne coming up for a penalty. You, you sort of got a good idea how it's going, but he just misses the. It's the first time that um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's the first time that someone's missed the goal completely since August 2018, which was Man oh, City really? Liverpool. Oh. Which was yeah, what? Sorry. It was Riyad Mahrez against Liverpool. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that it was a great game to watch. It was totally end-to-end and it could have gone any way. And I think one one all means a lot more to Man City. I don't think it affects Liverpool too, too much. Tom will you know, correct me if I'm wrong. But I think for City, that one point is crucial. But I think it's probably a fair result um, from my perspective. Yeah. Tom, as a Liverpool fan on the podcast today, thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a good result. Um, we, over the last few, three seasons, I think we've gone to the Etihad and lost all three times. And we've, I think it's about 12-1 on aggregate. Um, obviously, the last the last game was a bit of a freak with us already having won the league. But no, I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, I think we went into the game, I was a bit uh, nervous about the lineup. It was really, you know, attacking lineup from Klopp. Basically, like a four-two-four, um, where especially like Henderson's grown into a, de- a defensive midfield role quite well. But without Fabinho there, you're always going to be a bit nervous, especially when you're away at City. Um, so I have to say, before the game, I was like thinking this is well too attacking. But as people pointed out to me, you know what what we had been trying at the Etihad over the last three years hadn't really worked. So mm. um, fair play, and we've gone we've gone in there, and I think City was probably as surprised as me because Liverpool started much the better probably over the first half an hour or so, they're definitely the better team um, and definitely deserve to be ahead. Uh, clear 
clear penalty on um, on Mane. I think City were a bit uh, annoyed because Serling had maybe got like had a little knock on him on the other on the other down the other end uh, about a minute before. But it's a definite penalty. Um, and then I think we just went back into our shell a little bit. I think De Bruyne got a bit more of a hand in the game, um, and that's where I think that midfield did lose him a little bit. I think with the attacking four, like I think it, was, it got pointed out very well during the coverage. Like Mane was caught up field, and and Wijnaldum had to uh, come up, come across to cover down down uh, City's right, uh, just ahead of Robertson, and then that's that's how they grabbed the first goal. And then uh, yeah, City did take the take the initiative a bit, and that's what obviously what led to the penalty, which was thankfully missed. And then the second half, I think seventy minutes on, both teams were quite happy to take the draw, uh, which I think at this I've been frustrated when Klopp's done that in the past, but that's more like second half of the season. I think at this this early stage of the season, like more than happy to just get away with the draw there, especially as I say our previous results. Mm. Um, Boothy with uh, Diego Jota's recent form. Um, mm. Was it a kind of a man management masterstroke by Jurgen Klopp to put in, you know, Salah, Firmino, Jota and Mane into the same team to kind of say, look, I recognise the effort of you, uh, Bobby Firmino, and also I recognise how well Jota's been playing. Um, there is space for all four of you if you can work together. Um do you think many other managers in the league would have gone with that almost like a four-two-four formation? That's what I used to play on Ultimate Team uh, <laughs> back in the day. Um, but yeah, is that a good good play by Klopp? I I feel like that was a very ballsy move uh, by Klopp to do over the weekend because playing forty-four against City away is you need some cojones to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I, I feel like he's seeing that he can't now leave Jota out of the starting eleven now because Jota. What he's doing in the cup and in Europe, he's been absolutely killing it. While Firmino hasn't been doing much, if we're being honest. So, in a, a goal-scoring term, Tom maybe goal, would argue yeah, in a, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a goal-scoring term, yeah. yeah. Uh, but let's be honest, your strikers had to score goals, not to press from the front. You know what I mean? Um, um, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I feel like he understands and he's seeing that that Jot has to play. Uh, it's crazy if I start leaving them out. Uh, I'll give it a couple more weeks until Firmino hits the bench because if mm. Jota keeps going the way he is, you can't just try and place him into the team just to get Firmino in as well, just to make everyone happy. He's got to uh, take some risk and like, take Firmino out, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, Jota, do you think he's uh, an- another reason that Portugal are probably uh, one of the favourites for the Euros? This year, the Euros, which may actually be changing to a single country uh, tournament at this rate, which I hear Russia is one of the favourites um, to uh, to host the, the tournament, possibly. Um, yeah, first of all, I guess um, on that news, do you think it's right to change it to a single country with um, COVID obviously being a, still a thing? Vaccine news today, positive, but still a big thing. Uh, John, right not to have it all across Europe? I mean, yeah, I think so. We can't wait forever um, in, for, for COVID um, and, and all the rest of it. I think it's just where, you know, um, it's just, yeah, it's just where. But I, I don't have, personally, I don't have a problem with it being maybe in one country and then the next time, once, yeah. you know, vaccines and everything else is all um, all out there, then 
going back to the original scheduled plan. Um, yeah, that, that's that's my thoughts on that. And then Tom, going back to that original point there about Portugal being a big threat this uh, or if this tournament happens this year, which it, it likely should. Um, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, his probably uh, last dance, so to speak. Um, quite a few other weapons in there: João Felix. Diego Jota, etc., etc. Um, would you put them uh, as favourites over France, or is it still France? I mean, Ronaldo or... certainly is a weapon, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think I think Jota definitely can be. I don't know whether he starts every game, to be honest, for Portugal, but I think you know if he carries on like he is for Liverpool, he certainly will be. Um, I think France, when you look at the depth they've got, it's just. Before every tournament, that those uh, graphics get brought out, or like here's what France's yeah. second team could be, here's what France's third team could be. It's outrageous. So I think you know they're they're obviously the the top team in Europe at the moment. Um, I guess it depends on where it actually ends up because we've seen we've seen in the past how much like home advantage can help mm. um, and hinder teams if if it's in the wrong place. I mean, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the you know different having it in different uh, nations um so you know I, re I really like when it the end of the tournament kind of takes on a bit of the culture of the yes. of the host country um and you get that sense of it and each one as you remember it back you know you sort of you can place it in that sense so um i'd be more than happy to see it like move uh, move to a country and it makes total sense um so yeah i'll have to see what happens yeah um so we veered off off topic there a little bit but um We'll move on to one of the uh, final talking points from the Liverpool game, which is, um, I believe, Klopp and Guardiola both saying that uh, English clubs dropped the ball uh, in terms of voting against the five substitutes rule in the Premier League. This particularly came about because it looks like Trent Alexander-Arnold has picked up kind of a soft tissue injury in that game. Will be not, he's you know, out of the England squad potentially out for a, a couple of games he's out for about a month he's going to be apparently. right out for a couple of months yeah. um this is probably a uh you know fatigue injury or stacking up of fixtures um and yeah lack of rotation options for managers um greg would you like to have seen um five subs and do you think it was kind of a no-brainer maybe no i think three subs works perfectly it's worked perfectly <laughs> for as long as it has um injuries do happen so you, you just got to sort of predict and work around that you know i mean like you can't have everything work with you, you can't be reactive to everything ever also with the it massively benefits pep it massively benefits Klopp to have the five subs because you can just put on your you can have a formation of five mm. attacking players and say right bomb the shit out of them for 45 minutes you're all coming off at the half time yeah but if you're a club like i don't know west brom west ham where you haven't got the budget that they have to have that squad depth, it doesn't really benefit you. I can't see teams like Sheffield Wednesday, Fulham, all of those actually utilising five subs. So I, I think that it, it's really within their benefit to say, oh, yeah, I think we were wrong. Of course you fucking do. You've got five players that would get into any other starting eleven. Yeah, it, would make, it makes their lives easier in terms of a, a man, management, man management point of view as well with morale and uh, also obviously those those naughty little appearance uh, bonuses that we don't really uh, know about as well, which is, is right. obviously a, a big part of football. Um, Boothie, what's your thoughts on this? Five subs? I, I, I'm, I'm all for the five subs because 
I get what Greg's saying about how it will benefit the bigger teams of having. Uh, you, obviously, you could bring in, for example, um, Man City. If uh, if Cancelo's not playing left back, then Mendy's playing left back. I get that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, these bigger clubs are playing two games a week minimum. They're playing in the league on the weekend. Then during midweek, they're flying out to, let's say, France, mm-hmm. Germany, or Spain. Or if you're in the Europa League, you're going to Kazakhstan or Lithuania Cyprus. or somewhere. There we go. You know what I mean? They are traveling a long time. So fatigue is going to be a factor for these bigger teams. So for them to have to rotate the players, it's just beneficial for, for the team, for the manager, and also for the league. Like, we don't want to see our best players. Obviously, like, you do in the sense of, like, being a nasty kind of fan. But from a neutral point of view, you don't want to see the best players getting injured. Because I think we left of seeing uh, Tom, Dick and Harry playing right back and left back for um, the bigger clubs because they're running out of players. I mean, so who's I the like... guy? Nat Phillips. Playing centre back for Liverpool, like, like who is that? <laughs> <laughs> Look, if I'm gonna pay fourteen pound ninety five, I'm watching a kid called Nat Phillips play. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I, I, I'm all for the five stars for me. I don't care about the small teams, for being honest, in that sense, because they play once a week, maybe twice in a cup game. But then again, they don't even get that far in the cup. So, does it actually really affect them? Not mm. really. So, um, you know, what? Ian Wright uh, made a really good suggestion. Um, so, what he he was saying, I don't know if any of you watched much of the day. Um, but what he suggested was that they, when they're playing each other, so the teams that are playing in Europe, so if Man City's mm-hmm. playing Liverpool, they can have five subs. But if Man City, so, so this would say this, say they were using it this weekend, right? Spurs wouldn't be allowed to have five subs, correct? <laughs> what kind of, Spurs, that is the worst. Spurs wouldn't be able to have five subs, yeah, because they're playing West Brom, but City and Liverpool would because they were playing each other and vice versa. If, say, next week uh, Spurs are playing Liverpool in that game, they can have five subs because they've both been in Europe that week. They're both going to have long-haul flights, etc. But if City was playing, you know, West Ham, then no, they wouldn't They wouldn't be allowed. Mm. So it would basically just be... It's almost kind of like saying, yeah, in, in this league of, you know, teams that are in Europe, when you're playing each other, you can use five subs. But when you're not, you can't. Um yeah, Greg, Greg, Greg <laughs> just, just, irritated. <laughs> because, it, okay, this plays, okay, right, okay, look, here's the thing, right, this plays into the idea of the big six again, which only a few weeks ago we were all saying we hate the idea of. It, I'm really sorry that you've qualified for Champions League and you're getting paid like an extra 25 million for qualifying, all of this. I'm really sorry that you're one of the bigger clubs in England and you can afford the best physios, the best training facilities, the best treatments. I really don't get it. I, I, I don't get this motive of feeling sorry for the big clubs because they're playing more games or in more competition. Would you be saying that if it was Son or Bale or Kane Look, lying on the season. Look from a Tottenham perspective, you've seen the documentary. You see how many players we had injured last year. The 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 break for COVID saved our season a little bit. I've, I'm, I'm in a position where I could absolutely be saying, yeah, definitely get Kane off. Let him hammer for 45 minutes and then get him off and get on another strike. No, I don't like the idea of making it easier for the bigger teams because then we would probably not be in a position where we are in the Premier League, where you're seeing Southampton top of the league, Leicester up there, Everton. You were saying how Everton, they've not got Richarlison, they've not got James Rodriguez, they fall to bits. Hmm. But my point is this then, so Tom said that obviously City and Liverpool, in the last 20 minutes of the game, it slowed down. It slowed down as well because of fatigue. Now, as a, as a viewing fan, you don't want to see the, uh, the team slow down and say, oh, fuck it, here's a point each. Let's just go home happy. You want to see both teams slugging it out to the end. 
and you can't do it if your boys are tired. Like it, it's just it doesn't work. I don't think they need to bring in the five subs to help out the bigger teams. I'm sorry. John Aldinho saying uh, three subs is all we need. Uh, yes. So. <laughs> we'll jump. I'm not feeling sorry for a fatigue yeah, athlete. But, this is a yeah, job. And like, if he's fatigued, you see the the Liverpool, a team that pushed till the 90th minute and they got what they deserved in the 90th minute. Every most of those games last season with the three subs. Yeah, before COVID. You got you got you're moving the goalposts. What are you talking about? I- what I think about it is that, you know, you'd expect for me, a Liverpool fan, to be like, all right, Klopp said it, so, yeah, I'm on board. But I'm actually not, and I think the only the only argument that I can see for it is during this very specific period where, the, obviously, the league's, the league's going to be a bit busier, but it's mainly, obviously, these Champions League games, and the Champions League started about a month later, fair enough. But it's a, there aren't, there's only six games, and then after, in the new year... If you're still in Europe, those games are going to be the same schedule as they would have been before. I completely agree with Greg that, like, I think once there's five subs and they'll say, right, we're going to have it for this season, then next summer they're like, oh, well, this is working well. I think we should keep it the way it is. Mm. And I'm almost a, a bit suspicious of it in a similar way to, like, the Project Big Picture thing, where it's, like, just trying to get these little advantages here and there and i'm not interested in it you know it takes away the the appreciation of what when you actually get to win that league you don't want in in 10 years time to be like oh liverpool in the league again well yeah but you've been like gnawing out these little advantages for yourself for the last 10 years like now it's all set up in your favor like no that's there's no like um you know, satisfaction to be gained from that at all. And, you know, I can understand, you know, people want to see the best players playing. I can definitely see that argument for it. But in terms of Klopp, his argument, what would it have been? Like, oh, I was just about to take Trent off. But I don't think he he was. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. so it's just unfortunate. These injuries do happen. Soft, soft, Soft tissue injuries happen. Hamstrings go, calves go. And I don't necessarily think that's because we played... Atalanta on Tuesday. I mean, from a scheduling point of view, like it's the best schedule you could have had apart from if we were, if they were playing tonight, like Tuesday, mm. Sunday night. Like that's the that's the most rest that we could have had playing a Champions League game. No, um, and Pep only used one sub. So how is he complaining about the subs? He didn't even use the three that he's got. Mm. No, very true. On, um, a, on, a, on a kind of side note, uh, Oli Solskjaer, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer mentioned about there should be some advantages in terms of the kickoff time. So he was moaning that obviously they had mm. Wednesday, they were far, and then they got, they had a long flight or whatever, and then they had a 12 30 kickoff. Do you I think... can definitely see him? I, I yeah. can definitely see his his point. Yeah, because yeah, well, they do that in Spain, don't they? Real Madrid and Barcelona and stuff like Sometimes they will move fixtures. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, t- so TV has got too much influence. League. But we we don't we got yeah you're right it's all about the TV and and and, and stuff. Liverpool and City played the earliest in the in the week. Um, Liverpool were in Italy, City were at home, I presume. Um, not that far. They should have been on Saturday Saturday lunchtime. United obviously going not as far as you can go, but probably when you take away all the like Kazakhstan and Russian flights that you know 
are usually in the Europa League. Yeah, Turkey's about as far as you're really going to expect to go in the Champions League. And they're having to do Wednesday, Saturday. So, yeah, I can definitely see, like, in this case, like, Solskjaer's argument is it's mad that, obviously, City and Liverpool's the big draw. So they go, all right, that's the perfect one, Sunday, 4 o'clock, that's the prime mm. time spot. Um, team Teams should be able to come back at it, but... As far as I as far as I know, they're just told what to do. They're told when to show up, and I think that's too much. We'll park that there. We'll park that there. Um, we got a few more topics to get through. Uh, next one, really, really quick one on this. So the uh, Lookman penalty, Adam Lookman uh, gets a ninety seventh minute penalty for Fulham uh, to equalise against West Ham. Take a point for Fulham, which would be huge. Um, he takes the ball off Mitrovic, which is kind of similar to what we saw two seasons ago with uh, Abubakar Kamara did the same thing at the Hammersmith end at Craven Cottage. Uh, he His penalty, I think, was saved. Uh, Lookman steps up, 97th minute. You're thinking, just put your laces through this, son. Uh, at least give it a good go. He kind of stutters a little bit on, on, on the run-up. Um, goes for a Penenka, and, and it's got to be the worst attempted Penenka I've ever <laughs> seen. I mean, the one that sticks in my mind that was quite bad was the one that Zidane did in the World Cup final, I think it was. That um, one went in, didn't it? It went in. It just crossed the line. Yeah. It hit the bar and came down yeah. and, and crossed the line. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's pretty much, you know, that that's pretty bad in itself. But the one that Lookman attempted was just absolutely awful. Um I just got one quick question here is uh what's worse that penalty or the Perez Henri um against Leeds it's got to be Lookman's I'll tell you why because we won the game yeah. you know we were winning 1-0 we were playing Man City we are winning 1-0 oh City sorry I just remember Danny Mills being yeah, irate Danny about Mills, it that, that makes sense yeah. his face wasn't he yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, we got our own back on him when he went to Middlesbrough and Henri destroyed him in the corner um <laughs> but yeah um he uh that game, we won the game, and I think that does count. Uh, you know, if you can miss penalties, but if you know you can have bad misses, but if you win the game, yeah. you kind of brush it aside, yeah, uh, and just think, yeah, okay, that was a bit shit, but all right, we won the game. But this, <laughs> we lost the game. <laughs> we lost the game. Lost the We're game. in a relegation battle, like regardless of what happens in any game. You know, it's it is a relegation battle this year, um, and the facts are, yeah, we could go down by one point this season or goal difference as me and Tom were had this conversation earlier, but, um, and yeah, that is gonna, that's certainly going to be an instant that we will be looking back on. I think this season, um, but yeah, it's, it's difficult. He's one of the kind of, he is one of the lights in our squad that we're kind of looking towards. And, and he, he looks like a, you know, he could be the answer this year creatively, but, um, yeah, not, not impressed to say the least. Um, Boothy, have you ever tried uh, Penenka from the penalty spot? <laughs> me, nah, mate. I'd have the ability for that kind of stuff. <laughs> and if a player did that, to, if if a player did that to you, um, would you be saving it in goal? Oh, hundred percent. I I back myself in that situation, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but look, when uh, mate, he he took the piss because let's be honest, Mitrovic is Fulham's best player, striker, top man. Let him take the penalty. He has the experience. You know what I mean? Lookman's still a kid, yeah. and for him to do that is it's unforgivable man because like i said like you guys said fulham are in a relegation scrap no matter what anyone says they're in a scrap and for that to happen to drop two points on rivals above you and then not to gain your point yourself it's it's basically suicide man it's really 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 poor 
I mean, yeah. was it even a Penenka? I mean, he didn't even get any height on it. Like, it, it was just it. a scuff, wasn't it? it? It was just a scuff. I think to add quickly to that, I think Scott Parker did say in his post-game comments that Mitrovic was feeling something in his in his leg and and obviously didn't feel confident enough to take the penalty there. That's what they're saying. And Lookman is the designated backup penalty taker. Um not anymore. I well, yeah, not anymore. And I, I would argue that that might just be a kind of uh, a convenient thing to say uh, in a post-game press conference um, when you have, you know, a player that's, you know, a national joke basically uh, for that weekend. Um, so... Did a man took a pe- took a penalty with a broken foot in Istanbul? You score it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's international break now. Um, England squad chosen uh, by Mr. Gareth Southgate. Uh, Greg, initial thoughts on the squad? I think uh, Phil Foden back in and uh, Mason Greenwood didn't make the cut. Um, what's what's your thoughts on? Uh, I mean. Thoughts on Southgate, just to remind people. Fucking fraud. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, we're not going to win anything with him. I mean, I suppose for the podcast, I'm going to have to watch England play. If it was my choice, I don't even like to watch us play anymore. It's just so uninspiring. I don't know what Harry Winks has got on Gareth Southgate to get keep getting picked. Nudes. But he can nudes. barely make Jose's squad. Yeah, he's got something Nudes, on. did you say? He's got nudes on <laughs> Southgate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, who are we playing? I mean, we might not even be playing. I think Denmark was one of the, or Iceland or something. Yeah. And the COVID restrictions throw it into doubt a little bit. So one of those games might not even be play uh, happening. We've got Ireland, Belgium, and Iceland. Yeah. We've got three games. Is it? Yeah, I think the Ireland games are. Oh. One of them's a friendly. Friendly okay. and then Nations League. It's just so pointless. We're just going to see injuries happen, and it will ruin. It will mess up the Premier League. Surely that. Surely there's during a during a global pandemic when you're not even going to have fans to uh, like. What's the point? Why Nation- have a friendly? Like yeah, the Nations League is basically friendlies. I don't even. It doesn't even amount to anything, does it? Qualification for yeah, the you can Euros. qualify. You can qualify to be fair, but <laughs> but the friendlies. I mean. International friendlies are pointless at the best of times, but at the moment, when you're not even getting fans in the ground, just sack it off. Like it's so mm. so frustrating. Like imagine if imagine if like Harry Kane gets injured in that friendly, how you feel? Like God praying, <laughs> God <laughs> praying. Mate, honestly, uh, would that not help? Going back to the earlier point, would that not help out with the Premier League, um, the the matches and everything, or congestion? If we just got rid, if we just said for a year, you know what, we don't need to bother with these games. It would surely help that issue. So it's all sort of a knock-on effect. I blame Gareth yeah. Southgate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't need the friendly. I mean, at least at least play the competitive game if you can call it that. But yeah, <laughs> not we don't need the, the friendly man. That's it's a bit of a joke. I mean, also as well. I mean, the squad, especially with all the injuries and the pressure that Gareth Southgate is going to be on for managers, especially the, the top six ones, I'd say. Um, I think one of those games, probably the friendly, the Ireland game, if that's the one, I think, I believe it is. The squad's going to be, you know, it's it's, it's, it's going to be a terrible game. It's, it's going to be, mm. you know, a third string. Tom, there was a team in, was it Gladback 
this week? I was just going to say, yeah, in Germany, uh, if it was the same point that you were going to make, yeah. uh, definitely Werder Bremen have said, Bremen. Like, Bremen, it was Bremen, no, yeah. you, we're not releasing our players. Um, and I think they're fully justified at the moment doing that, and I'm surprised more clubs haven't done it. <laughs> like, mm, yeah. um, certainly like Liverpool to do it. It's like, yeah. Do that man I no like two, two of our best players are already injured Trent's just got injured that's enough like if we get any more injuries I mean like I think Brazil are, Brazil are playing like games in South America I think the last international break ma- the majority of the internationals got played on in Europe even like non-European teams um, so that was a bit better but I think yeah we got obviously a couple of lads going off to Brazil yeah yeah tricky one um england squad then dean henderson jordan pickford nick pope uh trent's out uh eric dyer joe gomez michael Keane, harry Maguire, maitland niles tyrone mings kieran trippier kyle walker biaka sacco be bakaya sacco got his first name wrong uh connor cody ben shilwell reese james then midfielders uh jordan henderson mason mount phil foden Declan rice james ward prowse um the the free kick magician uh, as greg mentioned harry winks uh jack Grealish. then up front we've got tammy abraham harry kane marcus rashford Jaden sancho raheem sterling and dominic calvert lewin now um would you have put mason greenwood in there at all anyone based i mean he's not played too many minutes since the iceland incident um aisle six um but uh <laughs> boothy. um but yeah I, I don't i mean i personally think tammy abraham <coughs> is deserving of a place in there um he's he's been playing pretty well for chelsea they've kind of moved things around a little bit in the chelsea team um and um i think verna has been playing a slightly different position than, than center forward am i am i right there I haven't yeah it looked like he was yeah. on the left yeah in the um yeah. but yeah i mean it's I think it's. I still think it's a good England squad. Um, I'm glad to see Grealish holding his place in that team now. Um, I think he's he may be one of the players that eventually defines uh, Southgate's time as England manager, whether that's good or or bad. Um, but yeah, Boofy, are you a fan of of Southgate? It sounded like you weren't. Oh, I can't stand the guy. I can't <laughs> stand the bloke. I lost respect for him a couple of years ago when he said, he made a comment in the, in the press conference saying that he he will only take players who are playing in the Premier League because it's the most competitive league in the world. And this is when Sancho started to pop off for Dortmund. From when he said that, I was like, this guy, he ain't got, he ain't got a clue because the best teams right now in Europe, I'll say, are German and English. So... If you think about it, if he's playing in the German league and he's destroyed it week in, week out, why would you not consider him? And the only reason he took Sancho on board is because like, his stats were ridiculous. So we had to take him. But I think he's a fraud. Let's be honest, he's managed what? Borough, uh, got them relegated. England 21s didn't win anything. And now he's an England job. He's, he's, he's a joke. And when he's saying comments about uh, Pickford saying, like, oh, Pickford's got no challenge even goal. Like, if you're another goalkeeper, how would you feel? You've got Dean Henderson, who's not played for United. Okay, I understand. But you've got Nick Pope at Burnley, who's, let's be honest, is a 10 times better goalkeeper than Pickford. Because Pickford is a liability just waiting to happen. So I'm I'm done with uh, Southgate. I'm waiting for the next manager to come in, really. <laughs> I'm being honest. But who comes in? Who who wants the England job, really? Frank Lampard. <laughs> when he gets sacked from Chelsea. <laughs> Jose. Jose Mourinho. 
That is mine. He's staying. Yeah. <laughs> so he's mine. <laughs> mine. Dude. How um, I read that my ticket. How you back for retirement for the England gig? You know he's been. Yeah. Never, they'd never give it to him, <laughs> Harry. Um, so yeah, we mentioned the strikers there. Um, so there was a thing. I think John, you picked this one up on on Talksport. They were talking about uh, top England or English strikers. So n- not necessarily in relation to their performance at the national level, um, but yeah, the top five English Premier League strikers of all time. Um, now I know a couple of you have got a list. Um, I guess we could probably just name some players that are uh, sort of floating around on that list. I think the initial argument was, was Harry Kane yeah, top yes, five? Is that right? Uh, yes, Alex Crooks was like, well, you know, you, you got that goal on, on a Saturday, the three o'clock kickoff, I believe. Um, and, um, you know, he's been quite prolific for the last few years. And, and, and the question was, is he England's or the best English striker in the Premier League? Like in the Premier League era, right now too, whatever is he? Is he the best? But yeah, that's that's how it came about. Um, lots of callers, people, you know, saying, you know, Vardy, Kira. I like Vardy. I would put Vardy uh, in my top five. I mean, one thing, one argument that um, they had for Vardy was over Kane was he's he's got a title, like he's won something. Mm-hmm. And, and although you need your team to do that, he was instrumental. Um, and although Kane's been instrumental to what Spurs have done, that hasn't been enough um, when it's really, really mattered to, 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 to push them over the edge to make them win something. Um, so, you know, Shearer as well. I mean, he won the league. People forget that. People forget he was at yeah. Blackburn. And actually, he's got a Premier League trophy. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it was a really interesting debate. I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, there, there was some, you know, legendary names put out there um, and they were just kind of saying it's just amazing how some of those names have got so few England caps, even though they were kind of, they had purple patches or times when they were at the top yeah. of their game. And I mean, I'm not sure who was in, in charge over those particular periods, but I mean, they, they were pretty set on Shearer Sheringham, weren't they, for for a few years and, you know, Ian Wrights and the Les Ferdinands and... Mm-hmm. If you have a Robbie Fowler, you know, they got 30, maybe less, maybe some of them got 17 England caps. So, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I guess before we hear anyone's actual lists, um, Greg, Harry Kane, is he is he top five? Is Without a doubt, say? he will be. Yeah. I just, with the Vardy thing, I think um, I, I might be slightly wrong on this, but I don't think, so Harry Kane's 27 now. So he's going into his prime and we're seeing him now develop as a player slightly differently, the way he plays. Um, I don't think Vardy played in the Premier League till he was 27. Hmm. Right? Interestingly enough, I think Kane's only got like 30 games more. Or there's something that there's a difference of like 30. Yeah, had yeah. a similar amount of games, even though Vardy... Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. There's a statistic out there like that. So I think that Harry Kane is definitely in the conversation once he retires and once we see him as a sort of Shearer looking back and sharing them that kind of thing right now um, obviously I've got a, a little bit of a bias coming into it with Harry Kane but you can't ignore his statistics and you can't ignore the fact that technically he's not a really talented player he's just an absolute hard worker he's been out on loan about nine times really earned his place and worked his way up through Tottenham 
and done it consistently. He's been injured, he, he, but he's come back and he's performed well. And now we're seeing him drop quite far back and you know still perform. I think that if he can stay relatively uninjured and keep this sort of form and keep this sort of talent that he's got and the hard work, then I think that he's definitely without doubt in the conversation. For me personally, obviously I'm biased again. I don't really think you could put Vardy over the edge for Kane just because he's won the Premier League. Because <laughs> I see John's cat. <laughs> um, for me, I, I don't really see. I don't really see that washing as well. With the Leicester thing, it's like it was a bit of a fluke season. He had a massive part of it for sure, and he's won the Premier League. But I don't know. I think it's harsh. It's harsh on Kane to do that. And you look at him; he's a World Cup Golden Boot winner. Yeah, it's the worst World Cup golden boot in the history of the world. <laughs> 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 yeah. Did he share? Did he share that one with James Rodriguez? No, was that, was actually... the one. that was one before. before. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So other names then flying about there. You've got Shearer, Owen, uh, Rooney, Kane, Vardy. Like you said, Ian Wright, Les Ferdinand, um, Robbie Fowler. Tom, you're a pretty big. Robbie Fowler, uh, advocate. Yeah, yeah, big time. Um, I think if you just take Fowler's first sort of spell at Liverpool, the entire time before he left, it matches up to anyone with the with the exception of Shearer. Um, I don't think anyone would disagree with that we could sort of put Shearer at number one and just kind of don't need to dedicate any more time to that. Mm. But after that, I mean, I think Fowler, without having the strength of Shearer, he didn't have much pace. He just had just the greatest technique in the box that that you've ever seen. Um, and just, just pure instinct, just knowing where the goal was at all times, finishing, incredible. Um, and then, I th- you know, his goals per game during that period must, must stand up to anyone's. And then obviously, like, lost a bit of fitness, I think, and is in his later years wasn't quite the same player even though it wasn't really based on pace or anything like that he just seemed to lose a little bit of sharpness um Leeds he was still think quite sharp but then City and then back to Liverpool and then obviously I think his obviously career took a bit of a downturn after that um but I'd have certainly you know I was saying in the group chat yesterday I'd have him over Michael Owen every time um and I think in I think the the five that got put in the group chat yesterday we had Rooney and Andy Cole over over Fowler and Owen. And mm. I think what um, what speaks against those two, as I said, is that they were playing in some of the most dominant teams of uh, in Premier League history. Uh, you know, the sort of era that Cole, Cole played in, obviously the, around 99, around that sort of time, just having things put on a plate for him by the likes of Beckham, Giggs and Scholes. And then obviously Rooney... Um, was at Man United a long time again when they were, you know, winning league title after league title. You know, Fowler never really played in a team like that, and he was still banging in the goals. So, yeah, thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Andy Cole, yeah, obviously a big one. Uh, he had 55 goals uh, for uh, Newcastle before he joined Man United. Um, but yeah, you're right. He was there, kind of at the the height of that 90s uh, Ferguson team. Uh, same with... You still got to put it in exactly, the net. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, one argument I would have as well is that Rooney and 
um if you compared kind of wayne rooney and michael owen who were very much like wonder kids who kind of almost made their names by the time they were like 19 years old and they were already considered in the upper kind of echelons of of english strikers before their 21st birthdays harry kane is very much a different career path to that isn't he and then jamie vardy is almost like one step beyond that in terms of um you know arriving really late and coming all, all the way up through non-league football etc a guy that we've not mentioned is um uh jermaine defoe as well defoe's that's what i was gonna say that's um, what i was gonna say there, yeah um Boofy, i know you've got a list could we hear your list your top five my list was um in order it was shira rooney kane uh, Vardy and it was in right and then I was like come on Booth let's not be biased and then I, rubbed <laughs> it, I, scuffed, I scuffed him out I put in Fowler but then if I had like a sixth place it would be Defoe I feel like Defoe is very overlooked because of the five players above him you can't really argue against them but Defoe if you're being honest Tottenham Portsmouth back to Tottenham and a bit of Bournemouth the guy was a goal getter like he was there still banging the him box. in yeah, you see his gold up there for Rangers. It was yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, lovely first touch. Yeah. Um, so, so I feel like incredible. Defoe, he's unlucky not to get in that top, my top five mm-hmm. anyway because if he had a top it, ten, yeah, it, it'd be it'd be uh, yeah, you'd probably get in there. It's very similar to mine. I've got Shearer, Rooney, Fowler, Wright, and Kane. Um, so I I I actually did put Kane in there. I just think, you know, he's playing. It's 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 a lot harder now as well. Like there's some you know. Top defenders, football's mm. playing at a really fast pace, um, and yeah, season in, season out. Like I, that's one of the reasons why I, you know, I always I put Henri number one because for the top, the time that obviously if you take if you add it if you um, cast the net wider and add all strikers because for the time he was at Arsenal, season in, season out, he was getting twenty five plus goals, you know, plus assists and all the rest of it. You know, he wasn't. You know, having getting 10 one season, 12 one another season, and 20 just one season, then dropping down. It's just consistently scoring goals for the team. And I think Kane does that. Kane does that. And um, yeah, I think he's, if he's not five, then he, he's got to be six um, in most, most people's lists. I, th- I think you're being uh, harsh on yourself, Boothie, not, letting you, not, not allowing yourself to have Ian Wright. And, you know, we talk about Vardy, like, yeah, similar path actually, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of similar path, like exactly like a late a late arriver in terms of professional and top flight games, and then you know it's only Henri that obviously took, overtook Ian Wright's goal record for Arsenal. So to start yeah. that late and just you know he's obviously we obviously talked about like does does winning the Premier League uh, contribute to your place in it, and obviously you did that. So yeah, I think. Uh, there's an argument to be made for him as well, definitely. And we were talking about obviously the the, the England cap situation. The, the the sort of mid to late '90s was just absolutely ridiculous for English strikers. I mean, like like no other like a, in the mid 2000s we had we had centre backs. It was in the '90s we had strikers, and like mm. you say, just so many quality players who just didn't get a look in. I mean, even someone like Stan Collymore, who wouldn't get onto this like top five or anywhere near it, but probably. Sh- in another in another decade would have got like far more England caps than he did. Um mm. it was just an outrageous time to, to try and get into the England squad as a forward, I think. Yeah. One argument for Cole, even though he hasn't made my list, and one of the argument that they were saying on the on the talk sport was 
he actually only ever took one penalty in his <laughs> time at oh. United. So his goals, and he's on the all-time top goals, goal scorers list. I'm not sure where he is. Maybe like four he's or five. Third. Yeah, yeah, he's third. third. Right, yeah. third, right? And that's without taking penalties. You know, that's so crazy. when you know, Kane's going to go on that list at some point, he's, he, he, he'll be in there. You know, um, Rooney's in there. You know, they took penalties. Vardy's, you know, he's a penalty taker. You know, I don't think Ian Wright was Arsenal's penalty taker as well. But yeah, Andy Cole was not, he didn't, he took one penalty for United. So yeah, you know, he's he's got to be considered up there for sure. Yeah. Uh, I 100% agree. Uh, We do need to do the social media roundup. So um, when I come back to that topic, um, if we just get a, a yes or a no for everyone, whether they would put Kane into their top five. Um, and we'll go from there. So I will load up everything for the social media roundup. We'll try and do this in. It was I think it was three minutes last week, which was was um, was good going. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how this goes. So I'll start it now. This is the social media roundup for BTF fifty six. Uh, you can check it out on YouTube, Spotify, and all good podcast providers. So first up, we spoke about Everton versus Man United um the big question again you know Everton never won a game in the Premier League without Richarlison since he signed uh Tom Liverpool fan I'm going to come to you on this one um is that an awful awful stat for your for their club it's not your club sorry about that um (laughs) but uh yeah is that is that something that they really uh do need to address sooner than later yeah it's flown under the radar I think this uh suspensions probably brought it to light a little bit more and uh yeah they'll need to um they'll need to probably sort themselves out but uh he's obviously back in the next game uh hopefully they lose even with it (laughs) (laughs) uh next up uh arsenal nil aston villa three at the emirates we saw some showboating we saw an absolute embarrassment uh jonathan boothy what happened here uh arsenal got dominated fifth apart by aston villa Arsenal just remind me of a cheating ex-girlfriend. Like, you know, you shouldn't go back to them, but you're just so, so in love with them. You keep going back week in and week out. It just hurts every time. <laughs> Confessions on the uh, BTF social media roundup. Um, Man City won, uh, Liverpool won. Um, Greg, this game, uh, who who's the real winner out of that game? I think the scoreline reflects the game. I think it was very end-to-end. There was a couple of decisions that went either way. But, uh, yeah, I think that point will be more meaningful to City than it is Liverpool. But, um, yeah, I think it reflects the game. Nice. Uh, five substitute rule. Uh, should should clubs have uh, voted for it or against it? John Miller. Yeah, definitely vote against it. Um, I think it only benefits the top six. There has been some suggestions that when the top six play the top six, they can they can do it. But that was just an idea floated on match of the day. But overall, uh, no, it only benefits those with amazing squads and you know five quality players they can bring on. And I guess the teams below the top eight can't really do that. They haven't got the depth in the squads. Uh, Adam Ola Luckman taking the worst penalty of all time, costing Fulham a point uh, at the uh, the London Stadium uh, in the Saturday late game. Uh, was this penalty uh, worse than Perez and Henri? John, I'm going to come back to you on this one because you had more to say about this than anyone really. And it was definitely worse because at the end of the day, Arsenal won that game 1-0 against City. Um, they were in good form. 
and uh, they got to the Champions League final that season. So, um, yeah, they, you know, you had some flair players they could do that. Lookman, last kick of the game to steal a draw. You've got to put your foot through it, hit that into the roof of the net and take your point. And he completely failed. Yeah, uh, we are on an international break this week. Uh, Harry Winks uh, still in the England squad, much to Greg's disgust. Um, Boothy, quick thoughts on Gareth Southgate. Three words, if you can. In the bin. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and then finally, our final topic on the show today was uh, the top five English strikers of the Premier League era. Uh, so watch the full show on YouTube to find out you know exactly who we think should be in that top five uh, but what i'll do is a uh, quick run through all five of us here uh, to say whether or not we would put harry kane in our top five and i'll start with tom not yet not yet that was okay uh greg yes boothy 100 percent. john miller i know you turned and said no but i'm putting him number six putting andy cole at number five yeah, and I, I, I have him just outside at the moment as well at number six. Uh, so, But I do think the only way is up uh, for Harry Kane. He's only 27 years old um, and his game is sort of ever improving at the moment. So, uh, yeah, so watch the full show on YouTube. You can also listen to the show uh, on Spotify, iTunes and all good podcast providers. Cool, guys. Well, that is uh, that brings the show to a close for this week. Um John, we saw the, the cat rolling through uh, halfway uh, through. I think it was the top strikers bit. Um, how are you getting on with pet ownership? Yeah, very well, man. He's still here. Yeah, oh. He's been a low profile, um, but he's, uh, he's, he's chilling, uh, supporting, supporting the BTF podcast as yeah. ever. Boothy's a big cat guy. Yep. Love my little, my little felines. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Greg... Um, Always, always a question. Plans for the week? Fuck all, mate. Always the answer. <laughs> same old, same old. Uh, and Tom, you've got a special delivery coming tomorrow. Is that right? Xbox Day tomorrow. So, uh, <laughs> work, no work for me. Just uh... <laughs> nice. Yeah, the Xbox. What is the name of it? Xbox Series X. Series X is released tomorrow. Yeah, and the PS5 comes door. out later this week. Which one did you get? Did you get the analog one or the disc one? Yeah, the disc one. Okay. Old school, old school. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, yeah. Thank you for uh, thanks for watching the show, uh, and we'll see you all uh, next week. Cheers, guys, for being on the show as well. Cheers. Uh,